Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. Let me start with this question for you. Let's say that the end of your life was shortly before you. You knew it wasn't going to be long. It may be just in a matter of hours your life would be over. And you even knew how it was going to take place. It was going to be brutal, painful, public, shameful. What would you be thinking about? What would you be talking about? Well, this is where we find ourselves in the storyline of Luke's gospel. Jesus is just at the very threshold of his own murder. He is right there. It's the darkest season of his life. He's going to die shortly, and he knows it's going to be brutal and bloody. What does he talk about? What is he thinking about? The Scriptures. And you're going to see that today. What gives him courage? What gives him confidence? What gives him clarity? It's the Scriptures. And what a powerful example that is for all of us. So that when life gets hard, we too can go to the book. So when we pick up this book, we are picking up a miracle. We're picking up a book that God wrote through human authors. We pick it up because God has preserved it for us to read. Jesus has two big ideas about the Scriptures that I'm really excited to share with you today. And the first is this, to consider all of Scripture. Now, there was a time in the history of the church that there was Scripture, but in addition to Scripture, there were all these other things that were seen as equal to Scripture. Things like traditions, councils, theologians. And over time, Scripture's clarity got lost. With the onset of the Protestant Reformation, there was this longing to return to the Bible. How appropriate that today we have that Gideon's, that we have Dave with Gideon's. There was this desire to return to the Bible and say that the Word of God is above every other word. So one of the hallmarks of that Reformation and I realize this is kind of the nerdy part of the sermon, so if you think you're going to check out and check, you know, games and scores right now, just hang with me. One of the important statements that came out of the Protestant Reformation was sola scriptura. That's a Latin phrase that means Scripture alone. As in, Scripture alone is our highest authority. What that means is, since God wrote this book, it's better than every other book. Every other book has errors. And so our highest authority, the authority by which we test reason, tradition, religion, philosophy, psychology, is the Word of God. Now in that, we need to be careful that we test by all of Scripture. Otherwise, what will happen is that people will go to the Bible and they will take the part they like and then ignore the parts they don't like 
and then they can even innocently but wrongly build their whole life or doctrine or behavior on a section of Scripture without considering all that Scripture has to say. So we want to receive the whole Word of God. We want to study the whole Word of God. We want to examine everything by the whole Word of God. Now, what Jesus is going to give us today in Luke 22 is a case study. And He's actually going to begin this section of Luke 22 by referring back to Luke 10. So let's go there and remember a couple of verses in Luke 10, verse 3. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples, and He says, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you're going on a trip, pack nothing. Take no food, no money, no supplies, no weapons. You're going out like lambs. Now, if we only obeyed those two verses and didn't practice looking at all of Scripture, you know what we would do today in church? Well, ladies, we would take your purses. Gentlemen, your wallets. Oh, and <laughs> leave your shoes. And, and we're going to send you out of here by saying, hey, Jesus said, take nothing with you. So let's go to Luke 22 and see how Jesus actually fleshes this out. Beginning at verse 35, then Jesus asked them, when I sent you, without purse, bag, or sandals. Remember the Luke 10? Did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said, do you remember back in Luke 10, I told you don't take anything? What about today? He said to them, but now, if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. The disciples said, See, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, he replied. I, which is it, Jesus? Pack supplies or don't pack supplies. Be ready or don't be ready. Wear shoes or don't wear shoes. Pack a weapon or don't pack a weapon. Which is it? Well, it depends on the mission. It depends upon what you're being sent to do. So there are, sometimes you should raise money, sometimes you shouldn't. Sometimes you should pack supplies, sometimes you shouldn't. Sometimes you should defend yourself, sometimes you shouldn't. It all depends on the mission. So you've got to consider what is it that Jesus is calling you to in that moment. <laughs> and let me say this. Some of you may ask the question, what does it mean by sword? Sword means sword. In other words, you might read this and go, well, Jesus couldn't have said take a weapon. He did. Look, Peter later on is going to grab a sword and cut off a guy's ear. That wasn't a hypothetical sword. I mean, ask the guy whose ear got cut off. It was pretty sword-like. Here, Jesus is saying there are times when it's okay to carry a weapon. So if you're a soldier, if you're a police officer, yeah, 
There are appropriate ways to defend yourself. Let me say all this another way. In Luke 10, you need to be tender. And he says in Luke 22, you need to be tough. Because in Luke 10, he says you're going to go out like lambs. That's tender. But in Luke 22, it's tough. Supplies, money, boots on the ground, you're off to conflict. Now here's the truth. Some of us tend to be more tender. It's all the verses of love, compassion, forgiveness, turning the other cheek. Those are the ones we're going to gravitate toward because you're going to say, that's who I am. While others of us may be more like, well, give me the verses on hell and wrath and judgment and justice and truth because that's where I am. But sometimes we have to be both. Let me talk to the men a moment. I'll give you an example of having to be both. Let's say you're a father. And you're a father who has a daughter or two. As the dad of daughters, you got to be tender. But what if there's a bad guy who constantly is pursuing her? Sword, right? How about Jesus? Well, let's do a quick study of what we've seen so far in Luke. Luke 4, Satan tempts Jesus. And Jesus says no to all the temptations and defeats Satan. Would you say that was tender or tough? I'd say that's pretty tough. I mean, you've got to be pretty tough to win a fight against Satan. Still, Luke 4, Jesus begins his public ministry by quoting from Isaiah 61. The Lord has anointed me to go preach good news and set captives free. But he says that in a synagogue when he knows people are going to get angry. I'd say you've got to be pretty tough to open the Bible and say, this is about me, knowing that there will be strong reaction. Again, Luke 4, Simon Peter's mother-in-law becomes sick and Jesus heals her as well as others. Pretty tender, right? Healing the sick, having compassion for them. How about Luke 5? There's a paralytic and a leper. Lepers were those who were outcast and despised. And this paralytic, this particular one, was in chronic, constant pain, crippled for years. And Jesus gives full healing to both. Really tender. I mean, he's loving people who are suffering. Luke 6, there's a man with a withered hand, and Jesus heals him. But he heals him in front of his religious critics. Tender or tough? Both. It was tender that he would heal this man, but it was tough because he did it in front of his critics whom he knew were going to want to fight with him and argue with him and disagree with the way he did it. We could keep going. I think you get the picture. So point number one, God wants us to consider all of Scripture. Point number two, He wants us to connect all of Scripture 
to Jesus. Again, this is really important because there are a few ways to view this book. Some people would say that this book is all about just great advice. It's not. There's some great advice in here, but that's not the primary point of this book. If it's primarily filled with great advice, then this book is all about you and me. It's not about you and me. It's for you and me, but it's about Jesus. This is really important because you pick up this book, and if you try reading it just for good advice instead of good news, you can think it's about you and not about Jesus and get some moral truisms like uh, how to live an ethical life. And when you die, maybe go to hell because you still aren't a Christian. You're just treating this book like a psychology manual or a self-help book or ancient wisdom for daily life. This is a book that God wrote about Jesus Christ. It's not a book about Abraham or, or Noah or David. It's a book about Jesus Christ that just so happens to include in its cast of characters Abraham and Noah and David. So when God tells Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through your offspring, through your descendant, that descendant is Jesus. When Noah builds an ark and saves his family from death. It's simply a portrait of what Jesus is going to come and do for many, many more people on a much greater scale. And that he would save us, not just from death, but from eternal death. When David slays Goliath, the story is not, and here's some moral truism that you can slay your giants. It's that David came from a family line, and Jesus is from the line of David, and David was one that nobody expected to become a warrior. And Jesus is like that. David slays a giant. Jesus conquers Satan. He's bigger and better than David. You see, this book doesn't make any sense unless you connect it all to Jesus. And that's exactly what Jesus repeatedly, emphatically, clearly taught. We've seen it earlier in Luke. We'll see it again at the end of Luke. We see it again today in the one verse that I actually skipped over. Verse 37. In verse 37 of our text, here Jesus is going to quote Isaiah 53, 12, and here's what he says. He says, it is written, he's referring back to Isaiah, and he was numbered with the transgressors. That's verse 12. And I tell you, Jesus says, that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. What is Jesus saying? That this whole book is now being fulfilled in my life. I am here fulfilling everything that is written in this book that God wrote. 
Again, Jesus is on the threshold of his crucifixion, of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And he knows that it's all according to plan. It's all according to scripture. It's all the fulfillment of the eternal plan of God that is now working itself out in history. That's exactly what he says. And he quotes Isaiah 53, 12. Now let me summarize for you what Isaiah 53 is all about. It's about a person who is marred beyond human recognition. Why? Because he was beaten and whipped and pierced. And why was he put through all that? For us and all of our sin. By his blood, we would be healed for all sin was laid on him. Every one of those thoughts comes from Isaiah 53. Who is that describing? Jesus Christ to a T. And all of that was written 700 years before Jesus was born. And here's how it worked. The Scripture prophesied how Jesus would live and how He would die and where He would be buried 700 years before He was born. Please don't hear this and say, I don't believe the Bible men wrote that book. Men don't know the future. Men can't control the future. Men can't predict the future, not with that painstaking of detail. This is the book that God wrote about a Savior that God provided. That's what it's all about. It's about the Lord Jesus coming. And He lives and dies in our place. And He exchanges places with us. He takes on our sin and gives us His righteousness. You and I are unrighteous. But because of faith in Jesus Christ... All of the righteousness of Christ is counted, reckoned, granted, given toward you and me. So we get to stand before the Father with the resume of Jesus. That's why, friends, we always tell you it's all about Jesus. It's not about becoming righteous through punishing yourself. It's not about becoming righteous through moral behavior, trying harder, self-help, pop psychology. It's not even about becoming righteous through religious devotion. There's only one who is righteous. You trust in Him, and His righteousness is given to you. Isn't that amazing? As the praise team comes back, let me just... Um, remind you that at the close of service, I'm going to remain up front, and uh, if there's anything on your heart for which you want prayer for yourself or for someone else, um, feel free to, to come, and, and we'll, we'll pray together. Um, also, don't forget that uh, Dave is here, and the, uh, the insert in the bulletin, you can include a gift to that ministry that 100% of it goes. Dave gets, gets nothing. <laughs> He's not getting paid for coming and sharing the, the time that he did with us. 
100% of what you give is going to put this, or maybe a smaller version, <laughs> into the hands and pockets of folks all around, as you've heard him say. Until then, let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for a plan to save sinners. Lord Jesus, thank you for being that servant, that suffering, saving servant. And Holy Spirit, thank you for inspiring the writing of this book. Thank you for empowering Jesus. Thank you for illuminating our understanding of the person, work, and words of Jesus. And Jesus, I pray for those who don't yet know you. They would trust this book and turn to you. And for those of us who do know you, I pray that we would not grow weary and study living out your word. And I pray for any of us who are in a dark, tough season that just as Jesus we would turn to the scriptures for clarity for comfort and Jesus we're not like you but we thank you that you are helping us to become more like you so we ask for that grace in your good name hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.